Do you have a ghost story? One that happened to you? Or maybe an urban legend you know? Share with us. Send it through Messenger or email us at odditiesandcuriositiespod at gmail.com. We will be doing a bonus episode for Halloween with listener stories. Our deadline is October 21st, so send us your spooky stories. This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities. Wait, what was that? I should kill everyone and escape? <laughs> Hold on, you guys. It's just the voices. I'm just kidding. That's not what they really said. <laughs> just relax. It's a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. I'm Harley Quinn. I mean, Amanda. <laughs> I'm Brittany, and I'm terrified. <laughs> I mean, I had to go into a little bit of character for this episode because it's episode 20. Asylums. Asylum. Mm-hmm. It's a spooky one, y'all. Yeah. I've been wanting a spooky one. I'm so super excited about this one. Indeed. Yeah. How are you today? I am excellent because it's hump day. It is hump day. And we got a treat. <laughs> yeah we do delicious treat oh my god jan <laughs> twinkies and wine that's real class <laughs> it so, says on the bottle it's a dessert wine i know so <laughs> pink moscato mm-hmm. barefoot because we cheap and it's delicious well yeah that too it makes my taste buds pop mm-hmm. and cupcakes from small cakes yes if you haven't had small cakes, you are missing out. You guys. We started eating already because we just couldn't help ourselves. Yeah. We got a half dozen cupcakes because that's just what you should do. Absolutely. And we got six different flavors. So I'm I'm going to spill them out for you. Mm-hmm. Amanda is currently eating the hot fudge sundae. It's so, so, so delicious. I'm currently eating... The salted caramel. Mm-hmm. And hold on, let me open the box so I can remember. <laughs> we got a red velvet, a peanut butter cup, a cookies and cream, and a wedding cake. They're so pretty. They're so pretty, and I can't wait. Can't wait to devour. The cake part is perfect. It's so spongy. Seriously. I mean, these were delivered three hours ago. Mm-hmm. They're so good. I know. They're perfect. So, check out Small Cakes. Yes. Do that. You won't regret that Mm -mm. at all. It won't hurt your feelings. Mm -mm. So, you could also go to Facebook. (laughs) Do that. (laughs) That won't hurt your feelings either. Mm -mm. Go to Facebook and Instagram and go um, check out the photos that we're going to be talking about in our cases. It really helps. Don't be a bow. Don't be a bow. Go look at the photos. On mm-hmm. Facebook, we are Oddities and Curiosities Podcast. On Instagram, we are Oddities and Curiosities Pod. We are also on Twitter, but we do not put the episode photos on there. Twitter is just for the fun stuff. So, just go do it right now. All the things. Yep. Following all the things. Mm-hmm. So. And let's see. What, what else? 
We're both looking at our checklist because last time we forgot some stuff. It's inevitable that every episode we're going to forget something and it's fine. Y'all should know by now that that's, that's just how this place runs. That's it. Yeah. It's, we're functioning adults. For the most part. Mm-hmm. We do what we can. Yeah. Like podcast stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Researching asylums. <laughs> I don't know why, but that little, uh, that video, that little kid talking about he wants to do hoover rat shit with his friends. <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head. But I'd like to do hood rat shit with my friends, too. I'm down. <laughs> Let's the closest go. we get to hood rat shit is barefoot cupcakes and <laughs> haunted asylums. So. And what's, y'all. What's wrong with that? The weather's perfect for talking about spookies. Oh my gosh. It's cooling off outside. The wind is howling. It's fabulous. I got candles lit. And it's kind of scary. I love it. But I'm feeling it. You it, realize. feel it in my bones. I'm going to leave and you're going to be alone. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. okay with that. Like, I'm having a peaceful, fallish mood right now. <laughs> you look like a hippie. I'm She's like... doing all this, like, hippie body <laughs> movement right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> There's something a little extra in your cupcake. No. <laughs> not, not that I'm aware of. I did not make it. I don't know, Brittany. <laughs> I was going to say, hang on. Share yours then. <laughs> Come on. You don't like nuts. <laughs> It's got little nuts on it. <laughs> and there goes my personal life. Okay. <laughs> there, goes, there goes your social life. <laughs> I can't do any activities where balls, balls fly, fly at my, my nose. nose. <laughs> <laughs> Clueless reference, if you know, oh you know. God. Is it hot in here? Is it hot? <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go turn the air down. Oh, my God. Okay. You you start. I'm going to turn the air down. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. So, the asylum that I chose to do is the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. And I'm super excited to do this because I heard about this a long time ago, like, as a kid. Because it's located in West Virginia, and that's where, like, all my extended family, both sides, are from West Virginia. Yeah. And I have yet to go there. So, I talked to my dad, and he said next time we go up there, he'll take me. He said he's not doing no spooky shit overnight tours, but he'll take me on a regular daytime tour. Hey, Dad. So, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> can, can can somebody tag along? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> My mom actually did get to go by there. She didn't get to go on a tour or anything, but they were traveling to my grandmother's house, and my stepdad took her by there. Yeah. And she took pictures of the outside, so I'll share those with you guys. Uh, There's, oh my gosh, her photos are so good. Yeah, it's just pictures of the outside of the building, but it's amazing. Like, this building is phenomenal, and you'll see if you look at the pictures. So. Thank you, Mama. Yes. So, deep in the heart of West Virginia, surrounded by lush green lawns, there is a beautiful long building with a tall steeple in the center. So, we're going to go ahead and go to the pictures because you need to see this phenomenal thing. Okay. So, go to the one that says Trans-Allegheny Lunatic. Okay. That is the main (gasps) building. Oh, that's so pretty. I know. Wow. You see the big steeple with the (laughs) clock tower thing? Like, 
Did y'all hear from Monica? <laughs> it came out. It came out. <laughs> it's majestic. Your Monica or the asylum? Both. All the things. Yes. It looks like a boarding school or perfectly weathered oh manor. Yeah, it does. Now abandoned, it was once the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum and its halls witnessed atrocities that left their mark on the building and the surrounding community. The asylum wasn't always a nightmarish facility. In fact, when it was built in the early 1850s, it marked one of the first hopeful developments in centuries for mental patients. Nice. Yes. The building was conceived in the beautiful mind of Thomas Story Kirkbride, a doctor and crusader for the mentally ill who founded what would become the American Psychiatric Association. Association. Words are hard. English. You, can, you got it. Association. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. Did you hear me say Massachusetts last week? Massachusetts. <laughs> like, it came out every once in a while. I was like, damn it. Why did I not correct myself? Because words are hard, okay? Y'all try doing this. We say so many. (laughs) So many words. So many words. Kirkbride built on the foundation established by famous reformer Dorothy Dix, who sought to aid people in their misconceptions about mental illness, mainly that it was, people thought that it was an irreversible condition best treated in darkness with force and physical restraint. No. Yes. That's what the other people's thought. Not I know. Oh, my God. Not Mr. Kirkbride. Right. Shaky as the science behind some of Kirkbride's medical ideas was, it undeniably led to a more humane and all-around more effective plan of treatment for the residents of his asylums than any other at the time. He emphasized the importance of light and fresh air, suggesting that asylums be built as long halls with 12-foot ceilings, plenty of windows, and ventilation that allowed for cross breezes. If you want to go to the notes. Yes. Now, this is not the hall when it was built. It says Asylum Hall. This is what it looks like now. Ah. But it kind of gives you the idea of the long sweeping hallways of the asylum. And you see all the big windows are in the patients' rooms. You see all that light coming through with yeah. the doors open. Yeah. But And the tall ceilings. And it was just supposed to be light and airy. It's pretty. Yeah. I want to go there so bad. Me too. So bad. Okay. He also emphasized freedom. Patients, he felt, should be allowed to roam as much as possible and find stimulation for their minds. They would behave better, not worse, if given more control over their own lives. His ideas inspired the construction of 73 Kirkbride hospitals across the country in the second half of the 19th century, including the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Can I just say... I love the fact that they use the word lunatic in the name. <laughs> I don't know why I love that so much because it's really kind of problematic, but I love it. They're owning it. They're owning yeah. it. Yeah. And I guess I'm here for it. Yeah. When it opened its doors in 1863, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum renamed the West Virginia Hospital for the Insane, also a great name, right? was a model of Thomas Kirkbride's ideals. So go look... And another picture of the hospital, and this one says Ariel. I just okay. want you to see how big it is. It's so beautiful. That is the grounds. Wow. Insane, right? They're so pretty. It's almost like a castle. <gasps> we could buy it, and we could renovate it and live there. It's almost like a castle. Okay. The ghosts there aren't really that scary. I'm not worried about them. We'll get to it. 
Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to it. Okay. The first patients were admitted in October 1864, but construction continued into 1881. The 200-foot central clock tower was completed in 1871. With understanding of mental illness still in its infancy, a bewildering array of maladies and complaints were treated at the asylum between 1864 and 1889, including <laughs> masturbation, <laughs> laziness, fits, Desertion of husband and superstition and the dreaded menstrual derangement. I am screwed. <laughs> Indeed. Wow. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> so you do have to go live there. <laughs> it's perfect. Has responsibility for the unproductive, non-compliant, mentally impaired, and genuinely mentally ill shifted from families and private organizations to the state. Asylums became dumping grounds for the damaged and unwanted. Right. The hospital could house 250 patients each with their own comfortable room. Skilled stonemasons had been brought in from Germany and Ireland to contribute to the architecture that featured wide open windows, giving patients access to natural light and fresh air. The grounds were magnificent and sustainable, including a working farm, dairy, waterworks, gas well, and cemetery. Okay. It ultimately reached 666 acres in area. Nope. Something should tell you right Y'all couldn't add a foot? I mean. Insane. Something? Yeah. No, I'd be like, um, no, we, we have to fix that number. <laughs> Let's take back one. <laughs> Lord, no. Okay. It was as architect Richard Snowden Andrews had intended it to be, a self-sufficient, state-of-the-art facility designed to make patients feel at home, well cared for, and restored. Um, another picture that doesn't necessarily go with it, but it it's going with it right now because I needed a place to show you this picture. Okay. Here's the foyer of the hospital when it opened up. Look how pretty the woodworking and the chandeliers. That is beautiful. I know. Okay. Love that looks like see we can live a there. fancy hotel lobby. Right? Okay, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. It's on the list. <laughs> the hospital also had a separate tuberculosis building. Due to the contagious nature of the disease, it was necessary to keep these patients isolated from the general population. This building differed in design from the others with its open-aired wings and screened-in sun porches. I don't have any pictures of that part. Sorry, guys. That's okay. In 1881, disaster struck. Due to an increase in mental health diagnoses and the stigma surrounding the disease, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum found its tranquil facilities overrun, housing almost 500 more patients than they ever imagined. Whoops. The hospital simply couldn't keep up. Conditions began to decline dramatically. Patients were crammed together with sometimes four or five to a room intended for one. The farm and dairy on the compound originally designed to provide for 300 were unable to meet the increased demand that came with overcrowding. Patients began to suffer from malnutrition, which only caused their mental health issues to worsen. By 1938, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was six times over capacity. Wow. The patients inside were running wild, and orderlies, outnumbered, struggled to regain control. 
A report by a survey committee organized by a group of North American medical organizations found that the hospital housed housed epileptics, alcoholics, drug addicts, and non-educable mental defectives among its population. So people that didn't necessarily need to be in an insane asylum. Right. At its peak in the 1950s, the hospital was holding 2,600 patients, more than 10 times the number it was intended to house. Oh, my God. To expose the terrible conditions, the Charleston Gazette attempted to send in a crew to investigate the inner workings of the asylum. Mm-hmm. What they found shocked them. Oh, oh, no. Patients were sleeping on the floor and in freezing rooms due to lack of furniture and heat. Mm. The overcrowding had resulted in overworked staff and a de- decreased emphasis on sanitation. Mm-hmm. The once bright, clear windows were covered with grime, darkening and further chilling the rooms. The wallpaper was peeling from decay, and where it hadn't disintegrated on its own, the patients had torn it off. Oh, my gosh. If you want to go look at the notes again, there's a picture that says staircase. Oh. I loved the way the staircase looked. I know it looks dirty and creepy and whatever, but that's just kind of showing peeling wallpaper. (laughs) That's why I decided to show you that. I like it. It's creepy and beautiful at the same time. Yeah. But I love scary staircases like that that wind around and you can like see all the Hell way down. Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's a really good photo. Thank you, Google. Yeah. <laughs> Worse still were the patients themselves. Those whom the orderlies deemed unable to be controlled had been locked in cages and open spaces in an attempt to make more bedrooms available for less worrisome patients. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. The patients, who crammed into an overcrowded, understaffed, underfunded facility, cried out for help, and in some cases, justice. Death was no stranger, as several murders were committed inside its walls. I'm sure. The asylum had also become a training ground for experimental lobotomies, as Walter Freeman, the famous surgeon and lobotomy advocate, opened up shop in the asylum. Yeah. So if you want to go to the notes... Yeah. There's a picture that says lobotomy. Oh, my God. And that would be Dr. Walter Freeman performing a lobotomy as people look over his shoulder. Yes. Because that's sanitary and a great idea. Didn't he actually kill somebody when he, he was killed taking a photo? Lo- he killed lots of somebodies at lots of points in time. I don't I heard. We'll get to it. I swear I heard something about, like, while he was posing for a photo, he looked up at the camera and he moved a little bit and it accidentally killed the Person? I don't know. It may have. Now, I don't know if you I watched. Did you watch Nurse Ratchet? Did you watch that show? Yes. That was mirrored yeah. off of him. Yeah. Walter Freeman. Yeah. So I don't know if that was something from the show or if that was know. something that was for really reals. I don't know. I don't know. Such a good show, though. Yeah. <laughs> it, just give it a gook. Dude. This dude. <sighs> okay. He's, he's crazy pants. Yeah. In the course of his lifetime... Freeman performed some 4,000 lobotomies, leaving sometimes perfectly healthy patients with lasting physical and cognitive damage. His ice pick method, which involved slipping a thin pointed rod like an ice pick into the patient's eye socket and using a hammer to force it to sever the connective tissues in the brain's prefrontal cortex, resulted in a number of deaths. Mm -hmm. By the time the asylum closed, only one part of its grounds had been expanded to accommodate the new demand. The graveyard. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. Okay. So, uh, another picture I just shoved in there where I wanted to. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) 
It says old body storage. Oh, yeah. So this is where they stored the bodies before they cremated or buried them. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like their own little tiny morgue. They had their own little, like, the facilities were completely self-sufficient. Right. They had their own hospital. They had their own morgue, mm-hmm. cemetery, you know, whole nine yards. Like, they didn't really need the outside world for anything if they would have kept the number of patients that they were supposed to have. Whew. Yeah, that's really sad that they got overrun. I know. I mean, it was a good well, idea. And people went to asylums for the the stupidest stuff. Di- dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, they were sending four year old kids to asylums for dyslexia. Yeah, for ADD. Yeah, can you imagine how many ADD, ADHD? Oh my gosh, autism, Asperger's, mm-hmm. stuff that people did not understand till <laughs> what. 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. And people maybe. with, um, people with like down syndrome or, yeah. you know, just any things, deformity, any, any deformity, just stuff that anything. they didn't understand. Oh if they gosh, didn't understand it, they, the family took them and dropped them off and never looked back. Can you tell that it, it it's a thing for us? Oh my God. Yeah. That's <laughs> just, so it breaks crazy. my heart. It does. The expose published by the Gazette spurred a movement to close down the hospital, but it wasn't until 1994, after more than 100 years of squalor, that the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum closed its doors forever. Mm. Now the once ornate building intended for healing sits abandoned as if patients simply vanished into thin air. Rooms are still filled with medical equipment and decrepit furniture, and wheelchairs sit in the hallways. I want to go so go bad. to the notes okay. again. Yeah. Where it says medical equipment. That's one of the rooms where it's still just like set up like oh someone gosh. someone was being treated. Insane, right? Wow. Oh it looks gosh. like somebody been wheeling that thing around on the floor. Uh huh. It's been moved mm-hmm. recently. Spooky. <laughs> um, the hospital was bought by Joe Jordan in 2007. Uh, he bought it at auction. Okay. And is opened for tours and other events for those who wish to see the asylum firsthand and to raise money for its restoration. Yeah. It was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1990. Okay. So a little part that I cut out, but now I feel like telling you. Okay. He tried when he first bought it. He tried to um, make like a, a shopping center in it at one point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he tried to do some different things with it, like let businesses come in and set up and do museums and stuff. But he kept running into like code violations and things like that. So he ended up just shutting it down, but opening it up for tours and stuff. Okay. Hey, I'm okay with the tours. I don't, I don't really care about the other stuff. Just let me walk through there. I want to do, they have overnight spooky tours. <gasps> Okay. They have little short two or three hour ones, but you see the size of that building. Two or three hours is not enough. Like we could go there during the day with your dad mm-hmm. and then you and me could go back at night. Yes. And then we go take a nap and then come back well, so we can stay up all night. Yes. We're doing it. That's we're, the plan. We're we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. New plan. Yep. Oh, Ooh. side note. So, <laughs> Mr. I don't like spooky things. I'm talking about my dad. Okay. He sent me a text message today after he left work. Yeah. And it's it's a link to a haunted New Orleans road trip map. Okay. Yeah, let me find it so I can tell you exactly what it says real quick. It says New Orleans Haunted Places Road Trip. 
go, Dad. I know. Way to send that now. I know. Well, that just means we need to go on another trip, so. I'm okay with that, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, where was I? Oh, I we're know. about to get into some spooky shit, y'all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going with it. Hold on. I'm going to stick my finger in this caramel icing real quick. Hang on. Girl, don't just dip your finger. Take a bite. No, it's fine. I'm ready. Okay, whatever. That's all I needed. Ghost hunters, the building's most frequent visitors, say they can feel the presence of the hundreds who perished in shocking conditions. The I'm skeptics sure. deny this. Yeah. Of course. Whatever. They're there. Just don't hurt me. (laughs) Just don't hurt me. (laughs) But all agree the building serves as a reminder of a shameful past and an urgent call to do better in the future. Yeah. The main building of the asylum, known as the Kirkbride, holds several rooms that serve as the museum located on the first floor. There are paintings, poems, and drawings made by the patients in the art therapy programs, a room dedicated to different medical treatments and restraints used in the past, and artifacts such as a straitjacket and hydrotherapy tub. Okay. I would just like to go to the museum, for goodness sake. I'm okay with that. But if you want to go to the notes, I can show you a hydrotherapy tub yeah, I wanna, right now. I want to get in the hydrotherapy tub. This was when it was in operation. This is a picture from when the hospital was operating. Oh. Those are the hydrotherapy tubs. Okay. Maybe not one of those. You don't want to get in that. <laughs> no. That dude, is that do you dude know? dead? Is he dead? Is he okay? I'm, what does he do? Surely he's not dead. He's relaxing, for goodness sake. He's in therapy. Well, thank God <laughs> it has that lid over the top of it or he'd be falling down in the water. Right. Do you know how many scary movies there are where people have died in tubs like this? Yep. Yep. A lot. Oh, it just makes me think of Saul. <sighs> like the first one. Okay, so Ew. I've only seen the first two Saul movies because okay. once you get through oh, one, oh god, oh, once you do uh, one and two of something, yeah. you're done. <laughs> you're done. Just stop it. I mean, I, I know a lot of y'all would probably argue why we need like twelve Fast and the Furious. I'll never know. Uh, but y'all, anyhow, y'all stop. Just, just stop. Just stop. Paul's dead. <laughs> Let it go. It's over with. Anyway, rest, rest in peace. I've only seen the first two Saws. That's all you really need to see. I've seen all of them, but they're... the first time I watched them, they scared me. They didn't really scare me. They were just like gross. Mm-hmm. They're more like gory type scare. Right. Yeah, it's it's not scary. It's just oh my yeah. god. Yeah. So I mean, those aren't my favorite, but mm. there's some pretty cool kill scenes. Uh, yeah, I'm a sucker for a good kill scene. They did an excellent job. Anyway, where were we? I don't know. Hydrotherapy tubs. Okay. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The tour guides dress in clothes that resemble 19th century nurse outfits. A blue dress, white apron, white cap, and white shoes. Oh, I love that. (laughs) The shorter historical tour offers visitors to see the first floor of the Kirkbride, while the longer historical tour allows visitors to see all four floors Apartments of the staff, the morgue, and the operating room. Yes, please. Aside from the historical tours, there are also two paranormal tours. Both start as the sun sets, the shorter tour lasting around two to three hours, the longer tour being overnight with the option of having a private tour. Oh, my God. 
that's what I want. Ding, ding, ding. Oh my, my birthday's God. coming up. Oh Someone buy me tickets. <laughs> <laughs> the tuberculosis building remains relatively intact and hosts the local Halloween haunted house attraction each fall. So we're going around Halloween time, right? We need to plan right? this for next year. Yes. So we can do both things. Oh my gosh. Yes. We should do that. We should definitely do that. We should be writing this down. Okay, we'll it's write it down recorded. later. It's fine. It's being recorded. It's, it's there. <laughs> okay, mom, dad, if y'all are listening, this is what I want for my birthday next year. I mean, it'll be for my birthday too. We're not that far apart. It's like a joint B-Day trip. Yes. Okay, it's happening. Stephen, write this down. And here's something I'm just going to go ahead and let y'all know in case y'all want to get us any gifts. Our birthdays are October 31st. That's Miss Brittany, <laughs> Miss Fabulous Brittany Halloween hey. baby over there. 21. Yeah. 21st birthday. I am November 6th. <laughs> I'm an election day, um, Alabama game day <laughs> baby. <laughs> Opening day of deer season, also duck season, I believe. <laughs> I can't with That's, you. <laughs> and I Ethan can't. Hawk's birthday. <laughs> You made yours sound so grand, and I just have Halloween. <laughs> well, because how can I top Halloween? <laughs> I mean, that's all I got. <laughs> Scorpio season. Our birthdays are in Scorpio season. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's why we're so great. Yeah. All we're right. Fabulous. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Just ask me. I'll tell you. Right? So, this will be an episode of Tangents, apparently. Okay. It's fine. Those who have spent time in the building regularly have reported seeing apparitions of nurses, doctors, and patients roaming the staggered corridors and hearing anguished cries echoing through the hallways. As its reputation quickly spread, Trans-Allegheny attracted the attention of the media. The TAPS team from Ghost Hunters, I used to watch that religiously, by the way. <laughs> now, in hindsight, I see some of the ridiculousness Yes. There. But... I used to love that show. It's so hard for me to watch those now. I know. But like know a good 10 bullshit. years ago, 15 years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. I was hooked. It was my jam. I was like, oh, my God. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely better than Zach Bagans. Oh, everything. Don't at me Zach. with that. Don't. Don't uh-uh. th- no. No. The TAPS team from Ghost Hunters filmed and investigated in 2008 and Ghost Adventures followed in 2009 with a live televised seven-hour investigation on Halloween Eve. Okay. Both teams believe the building to be haunted and there have been countless subsequent reports of ghostly activity by visitors and staff. Pour your wine, bitch. I have a <laughs> bottle over there. Just in case. Thousands of suffering souls entered the hospital seeking refuge or salvation. Others were dumped there, thrown away like unwanted trash. With such a thick mixture of energy and emotion, it's no wonder there is such a rich potpourri of paranormal phenomena. So, we are going to get into the ghosties now. Okay, yes. The lonely spirit of a young girl named Lily wanders the halls looking for a playmate. Legend has it that Lily was a little girl who spent all or most of her short, sad life inside the walls of Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Oh, no. Some believe she was dropped off at the hospital like an unwanted stray by parents who couldn't or wouldn't care for her. Another story has it that she was born at the hospital shortly after her mother was committed, 
taken in and cared for by hospital staff until she died tragically of pneumonia at age nine. I looked at several stories about Lily, and that second one is the most common. Okay. Oh, that's so sad either way. I know. After her death, her spirit remained inside the only home she had ever known. Her room is cheery, one of the brightest in the building, although the peeling walls and broken window glass remind you that no living soul occupies the space, and the iron bars on the windows are a stark reminder of the bygone realities of asylum life. If y'all want to go to the notes, I have a picture of Lily's room. Hell yes. Oh my gosh. That's what it looks like now. Look at all the toys. Why are there toys? Because I'm going to tell you. Okay. That was, that's a little creepy. Like, why are there current toys in there? Okay. Because I'm going to tell you. Uh... Aww. <laughs> okay. And it is creepy. A little. So Lily likes to play games with visitors and has become especially close to some of the current guides. She makes herself known to visitors in several ways, including interacting with a menagerie of toys set out in the room dedicated to her memory. This, Career goal. <laughs> I want to be a guide. This includes a pink and white music box with a miniature ballerina turning with a miniature ballerina turning point to a tinkling lullaby when the box is open. Okay, those are creepy as hell on their own. Uh, yeah. I had one when I was a kid. Both of my daughters have one. Mm-hmm. They're so yeah. When the when they start to uh get old, when they start to age and the music oh, oh. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. <laughs> The music box sometimes decides to play on its own. And that. Yep. Yep. It would do that as well. Lily will, on occasion, roll a ball back and forth with visitors in an eerie game of catch. I want to do it. Lily seems to delight in these ghostly play dates, and visitors often hear her giggles, equal parts sweet and spine tingling, echoing down the halls. Ooh. Suggestions on what toys we should bring Lily when we go visit, you guys. Yes. Tell us. Yeah. Because we're so doing that. Uh, yeah. Paranormal investigator Adam Solser has investigated the asylum a dozen times. He claims one of Lily's favorite games involves the music box and flashlights. During a recent session, Aaron asked Lily if she remembered him, and if so, to please make herself known. He placed flashlights in different areas of the room, set up so that a slight twist on the top would turn them on or off. Aaron wound the music box and began asking questions. A flashlight turned on, indicating Lily was there. As the music slowed, the flashlight dimmed, only to return to full brightness when the music box was wound again. Okay. (laughs) This occurred several times throughout the session. When Aaron asked if Lily was making it happen, he got a positive response. The correlation between the music box and the flashlight was so consistent, Aaron had no doubt Lily was manipulating it. According to an April 2010 episode of Ghost Stories, a paranormal investigation series that aired on Travel Channel, psychic Tammy Wilson first discovered the spirit of a small child named Lily on a tour of the asylum. The girl was about nine years old, wearing a white dress. Her mother's first name, starting with the letter E, an only child of a prominent family from England, was brought to the hospital already pregnant. E was told her parents were killed in an accident and couldn't come back for her. She had to remain at the asylum where she gave birth. Both mother and daughter lived the remainder of their days at the asylum. According to the producers of Ghost Stories, patient records from the 1920s showed a woman whose first name beginning with E was admitted to the hospital while pregnant and later gave birth, possibly a girl, possibly Lily. 
Wow. The show also interviewed local historian Shelley Bailey, who claimed to have encountered Lily several times, leaving small gifts for her, such as toys and a box of Cracker Jacks, which moved on its own. (laughs) Okay. She heard the distinct sounds of a box opening and crunching coming from the same area. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. A captured EVP politely said, thank you for the snacks. (gasps) I would just die. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So, we're taking Cracker Jacks. Yeah. Shelly and her companions claimed they played a game of catch with Lily using a plastic ball that bounced back and forth for almost 45 minutes. What? You are waving your arms. What? We should take her a hump day treat. We will. (laughs) Some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Yes. (laughs) We got you, girl. We got you, Mm -hmm. Lily. We're all for the treats. Toys and Cracker Jacks. (laughs) But Lily isn't the only child there. Ghosts of many of the hospital's younger residents haunt the upper floors, sometimes following visitors throughout the building, even following them home. Um, no, 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 no. So we're going to leave them there. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. I love you guys, but you've got to stay there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. One kid is enough for me at home. Stay at your home. Another popular spirit left trapped inside the asylum is that of Ruth. During her time alive at the asylum, Ruth was an aggressive and, at times, violent older lady who had a severe dislike towards men. It is common to encounter Ruth on the first floor near her old holding cell. Me and Ruth going to have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> what up, girl? Also, me, me well, <laughs> she's only mean to men. Just, just let her be. <laughs> just let her be. I'm kidding. Um, also, the upper floors um, aren't as vacant as they seem. The spirits of at least two vicious murderers remain oh. trapped in an earthly purgatory for their crimes. Um, <laughs> and we're going on all floors? All of them. All night long? Yeah. Okay. Go big or go home, boo. I, mm. <laughs> so, um, okay. Slewfoot... Slewfoot. Just say it. Slewfoot. Slewfoot. Just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> My next pet, I'm naming him Slewfoot. <laughs> It's great. Okay. We need to get like an iguana or something. <laughs> <laughs> it can be the Owen Seed mascot. If we're getting an iguana, that shit's staying at your house. Those things are freaky. Your, your cat would probably try to. Oh, my cat would totes eat an iguana. Yeah. So, I don't know. We could do something like that and name it Slewfoot. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. I'm okay. Slewfoot. A cunning psychotic murderously lashed out in a lavatory. The phantom of an even more depraved, unnamed multi-murderer haunts the dungeon-like seclusion cells. Um, I don't know if it's better to be named Slewfoot or to be unnamed. Uh, but go to the notes because I felt like this was a good time to show you a picture of the yeah. lavatory. Okay. The, the bathroom. 
That looks scary. That is creepy as... And we're going in there. <gasps> we're going, okay. We're going in the bathroom. She's going to... You going to hold my hand? I'm going to hold <laughs> your <laughs> hand. <laughs> that was terrible. Oh, my God. That was awful. <laughs> Am I over here sniffling? <laughs> he sounded like Urkel. <laughs> Oh my god! What is wrong with us? I okay. don't know. I don't know. We're not real grown ups. I- <laughs> <laughs> Other reported ghosts include Dean, who is known to haunt the room he was brutally murdered in. Mm-hmm. Um, the second floor is haunted by a stabbing victim who tugs on the pants of people walking by, okay. as if using his last bit of strength to seek um, help. No, get the get off me, bruh. <laughs> You're just going to spend the whole night in Lily's room, aren't you? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I am. I'm not leaving. You can't, baby. (laughs) Until you start hearing her giggle. I don't want to be in there by myself. The music box turns on and then you hear a little girl giggling. Yeah, but at least I know she won't hurt me. We'll just play ball and eat Cracker Jacks all night. (laughs) True story. Yeah. Some of the most despondent asylum patients thought suicide a way out. But they, too, remain stuck indefinitely between this world and the next. Their desperation seeps from the walls like water from broken pipes. Like that of the second floor where disembodied voices warn people to get out of a room where a double suicide occurred. Okay, bye. (laughs) Sure thing. You don't got to tell me twice. Doors are commonly left open by a dead nurse named Elizabeth who is thought to still be doing her rounds. Guides and visitors feel that some spirits come and go, perhaps using the facility as a doorway. Some stop for a short while before passing on to other destinations, while others cannot or will not move on, embedded in the very foundation of the asylum. This still doesn't even begin to cover stories of demonic entities and something maybe even freakier called the Creeper, as seen on Paranormal Lockdown. What? I cut this last part out, and right now I feel like I need to say it. Okay. I shouldn't have cut it out. So, there are other reports from visitors and some of the guides saying that they believe that there is, like, some sort of demonic portal there. Okay. And that um, evil souls pass through there. Sure. To go to hell. And that demons can come back through. Oh, absolutely. Portal goes both ways. And there is an entity that they call the Creeper, which is a black mass, like a black shadow person type thing, uh-huh. that roams the asylum. Nope. And it's like he's collecting the souls. And some people have said that the spirits that are there are... You heard that too? <laughs> Did you hear that shit? My back is to the stairs. You have the best seat in the house. My back is to everything. Switch. You want to come sit by me? Anyway. Anyways. Okay, that was my person in the attic. Apparently, I don't know. But um, so yeah, there's a um evil entity that like the other spirits are like afraid of him. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they call him they I call him the creeper. I don't like big black masses or big black shadows. Yeah. Those are not good. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's that we might have to deal with when we go, but whatevs. It's so fine. That's, that's just on all the upper floors, not not the first floor. Like, the first floor is good. It's just all the upper floors that are bad, and that's exactly where we're going. We're going to all the floors. <laughs> all of them. Okay. Okay, I can do it. But, yeah, that's it. Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. I love it. That was really, really good. Thank you. Okay. Now I am a little creeped out. Thank you, Brittany. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take a sip. Holy shit. Everything's fine. We're all good. Okay. My case is the Traverse City State Hospital. Oh, I don't know this one. Mm. Good. Let me educate you. AKA the Northern Michigan Asylum was established in 1881 as the demand for a third psychiatric hospital. Lumber Baron Perry Hanna, the father of Traverse City, used his political influence to secure his location in his hometown. Under the supervision of prominent architect Gordon W. Lloyd, the first building, known as Building 50, was constructed in Victorian Italianate style according to the Kirkbride plan. Hey! Hello! I have a question. Yes? Why is the first building named Building 50? Because there are so many buildings. So the first one, they just started with 50? I don't know. I just got cupcakes <laughs> on my laptop, but everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't mind me. It's that good. It's that good. It is that good. The hospital opened in 1885 with 43 residents. I have a picture of building 50. Okay. I want to go over to my notes. So it's building 50. Ooh, I like it. I have a picture of it then and now. I see that. It has been restored. I see that. Yeah. I like it better before. I do, too. But it was falling apart, so. touching shit, people. <laughs> I know, but I really like the before. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like the modernized version of it. Mm-mm. The institution expanded under Dr. James Decker Munson, the first superintendent, from 1885 to 1924. Twelve housing cottages and two infirmaries were built between 1887 and 1903 to meet specific needs of male and female patients. Okay. The institution became the city's largest employer and contributed to its growth. In the 1930s, three large college-like buildings were constructed near the present site of the Munson Hospital parking deck and the Grand Traverse pavilions. I do have a picture of the cottages. Okay. Go look at those. There were those are mini mansions. Those are not. I know. I know. (laughs) Right. I want to live in one of those. I want to live in uh, that building 28 men's cottage. Yes. I like that one. Yeah. That one has a turret or that one. Whatever that one is. I like them all. I I want a turret though. I want to live in a house that feels like a castle house. I really like 34. Mm -hmm. That's the one that's in the middle of those three on the right. Yeah. With the turret on the front. Yeah. That that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know the one below. I, I, I'm with you. I'd love I like, all of them. I like all of them, but yeah. those are like the most popular. The other ones are still kind of being reconstructed. Long before the advent of drug therapy in the 1950s, Munson was a firm believer in the beauty is therapy philosophy. Why are you looking at me funky? Because what is that? I'm about to tell you. Oh, okay. Beauty <laughs> is therapy. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. It's kind of like yours, actually. Patients were treated through kindness, comfort, pleasure, and beautiful flowers provided year-round by the asylum's own greenhouses and the variety of trees that Munson planted on the grounds. Restraints, such as the straitjacket, were forbidden. Also, as part of the work is therapy philosophy, the asylum provided opportunities for patients to gain a sense of purpose through farming, furniture construction, fruit canning, and other trades that kept the institution fully self-sufficient. The hospital was located on 135 acres of land. Not 666. Not, not, not 666. Sorry. I this don't one. know why there's a demonic portal there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I ding, mean, ding, ding. Foreshadowing just <laughs> a little bit. So, mine's a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you can see, they, they kind of have the same design. Yeah. The Asylum Farm began in 1885 with the purchase of some milk cows and within a decade grew into grew to include pigs, chickens, milk and meat cows and many vegetable fields. In the 1910s through the 30s, the farm was a home to world champion milk cow Traverse Kalantha Walker. Her grave is at the end of the dirt trail between the farm and the asylum. The cow's grave? The cow's grave. Okay. I I, I kind of like it. She was their champion milk cow. Okay. Okay. So, if you want to go to the notes and look at the photo that says aerial view. <laughs> okay. I have one of those, too. <laughs> it's ginormous. It is ginormous. But they kind of have the same layout. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's also grounds and grounds two, just okay. to show. Oh, that's like a postcard. Yeah, it it it, act, it actually is a postcard. I like it. <laughs> it's pretty. But that's what it looks like when you're driving up to it on grounds two. Okay. Um, or that's what it did look like. Not anymore. But when it was first built, that's what you saw. There's the cottages are over to the left of it of the okay. drive. And then if you go to Cal. Oh, okay. <laughs> there she is. There's Kalantha. Well, that's a giant heifer. Yes, she was. <laughs> well, all right. And that's her tombstone down below. There's lots of words on it. There's her lots of words on it. Oh, my goodness. It, okay. that, that was a lot to read. So it's Feel like free her to look obituary at is on her tombstone. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> While the hospital was established for the care of the mentally ill, its uses expanded during outbreaks of tuberculosis, typhoid, diphtheria, influenza, and polio. It also cared for the elderly, served as a rehab for drug addicts, and was used to train nurses. After Munson's retirement, James Decker Munson Hospital was established in his honor on the grounds in 1926. And was operated by the state well after his death into the 1950s. It was then replaced by Munson Medical Center in the 1950s, the largest hospital in northern Mich Michigan and one of the largest in the state. A portrait of Dr. Munson hangs inside the main lobby of Munson Medical Center. By the time it closed in 1989, pieces of the property had been split between Munson Hospital, the pavilions, Garfield Township, and later... TMG. I don't, I don't know. But anyways, I do have a picture of that hospital and um, the medical center so you can see what it was then and how it looks now. 
Okay. And that's, that's part of... That's and it's wh- still shut down, though? No, it's it's fully functioning now. Oh, okay. Um, so they shut down the medical center in the 80s and right. then built and then, that other one. Then they revamped it, and there it is now. Okay. It's kind of got the same structure and layout as the first one. You can kind of see. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But that that's one of the other buildings to the state hospital grounds. Gotcha. Yeah. That's why that's relevant. So, however, changes in the law and mental health care philosophies brought on the decline of the institution. The farm on the grounds closed in the 1950s, with most of its buildings demolished in the mid-1970s. In 1963, the main 1885 center wing of Building 50 was destroyed because it was deemed a fire hazard and a new modern building was put up in its place. That's the one that you saw in the picture before. Oh, the awful building. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> that one <laughs> yeah the awful building use of the hospital slowly declined and it closed in 1989 with a loss of over 200 jobs to the local economy but over the next decade the community struggled with plans for reuse of the hospital grounds in 1993, the property was transferred from the state to the Grand Traverse Commons Redeveloped Corporation. Some of the less historic buildings were demolished. Several redevelopment plans were proposed, but nothing came into fruition until 2000 when the... I just listened. Minervini group? Minervini. One of those that, words. It sounds like you nailed it. Began negotiating with the Grand Traverse Commons the Redevelopment Corporation and secured an agreement to renovate the historic buildings. Okay. Basically, like, it got approved to be restored. Their efforts have led to the gradual but successful preservation and reuse of the former Building 50 as part of the village at the Grand Traverse Commons. Um, It's turned into a residential and commercial development. There's coffee houses and shops, kind of like what your guy, Joe, wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Was it Joe? I don't know. One of those. It was a J word. Jordan. His last name was Jordan. Okay, Jordan. Mr. Jordan. That dude. Um, they actually did it. Most of the cottages are actually occupied by residents and shops. And um, projects that are done turning one of the former granary buildings into a pavilion. Um, the basement still exists under the concrete floor. Another mm-hmm. building was turned into a visitor center. And one of the two cathedral barns has been redone. They use it as an event place. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah, go have your wedding out there. I'd do it. <laughs> I totally would. <laughs> Projects in 2015 include a reflection pool using a former silo foundation and planting more gardens. Another project is turning a partly burnt horse barn into a wall garden using the stone foundation leftover. Let's go look at what it is now. Okay. Okay. Where okay. it says commons. Hmm. That's kind of an aerial view of what it looks like now. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a bougie little community. Right. Like there's apartments. There's, you can live in the cottages. There's business. Yeah. All that. Okay. I think there's a winery in there. I'm here for that. Yeah. Okay. So we're adding it to the list. Yes. So let's get to um, some of the spooky stuff, shall we? Mm -hmm. I think that was enough history. Yep, I want some spooks. That was all typical stuff. 
So, deep in the woods outside the old state hospital grounds, down a small, steep path at the edge of a clearing lie the bones of a sprawling old black willow. Okay. That's a tree. Just <laughs> The whomping willow. Yep. The heart of the tree has long since rotted, but life still persists from the tips of its branches. The pale trunks are adorned in a layer upon layer of lurid neon paint left there by generations of local painters. The effect is a spectacle of twisting, iridescent growth along the length of the great fallen behemoth. 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 It is a behemoth. I have pictures of this hippie tree. Okay. Let's go ahead and go look at how big this sucker is. Oh, my Lanta. Yeah. There's, I, that I is, put a photo of people standing on it. That's so. freaking fabulous. It is ginormous. I want to go there. Yeah, I do too. With my camera. Photo shoot. Totally a photo shoot. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll go to Michigan as well. Our list is getting so long. I know. It's a good thing we're only turning 21. Right? <laughs> right? Well, I mean, if you're 21, that makes me 22. Okay, 22. I'll take 22. Okay. I'm feeling 22. Okay. <laughs> I wish we were video recording that so you no, would have seen the face no, that accompanied no, that. No, that's why we don't video. <laughs> don't do that to me. <laughs> Okay. From the trailhead, take the first right and you will proceed up a large hill into a clearing. The next left will lead you down to the hippie tree. You should see some painted limbs from the outside and some past visitors have painted markers to follow along the trail. It is said that when visiting the, tr the hippie tree, if one leaves a contribution of their own to the collection... They will be granted a fragment of the mad enlightenment for which the tree was named. One must, therefore, be certain that this is their desire, for such revelations rarely leave one unchanged. I'm doing it. Be careful what you wish for. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. The hippie tree is named such because of its place in local folklore. The tree is said to be a nexus for the unquiet spirits of those that once inhabited the hospital and, by the extension, the madness that haunted them. Visionaries, mystics, and other spiritual folks would come to meditate beneath the tree and then would paint the products of their subsequent enlightenment on the warped limbs surrounding them. Okay, so let's be real here. Yeah. People are going there and doing acid and painting <laughs> and painting on the tree. Yes. Duh. This is why they leave changed. Absolutely. Because they've, they've dropped acid. At there the you go. Tree. There okay. you go. And just so we're all on the same page here. I mean, it doesn't have to be just acid. I'm sure they're doing other things as well. Copious amounts of edibles. I mean, edibles, some shrooms. What else? Whatever you want to do out there. You do you. Okay. Visitors to the tree late at night have heard disembodied voices and have had stones and rocks thrown at them. Well, that's not nice. Yeah. The location of the tree is said to be where the spirits of those who died in the hospital congregate. One says that the in the 1950s, two boys were playing by the tree when an asylum inmate escaped and found them there. He murdered one of them 
and bury the body in a nearby spring. And in the spring is actually there. It's it's there. It's like right by the tree. Okay. Yep. This hippie tree is also said to be the portal of hell. Huh. Shocker. You had one of those what? too. Yep. I'm not the only one. Yeah. If you walk around the tree in a certain way, the portal to hell will open and you will be drawn into into it to join the damn souls of former asylum inmates. I know. However, what? Yes. Yes, Brittany. Side note. Raising your hand over there. <laughs> the snotty one on the front row. <laughs> <laughs> so I was listening to another podcast. Okay. Um, and this has been a while back, but there is a church in England. I think it was two girls, one ghost podcast. Um, but there is a church in England that says like the same thing. Like you walk a certain number of, uh, laps around this church and a certain number backwards. Right. And it opens this portal to hell, but you have to do it on, it's midnight on Halloween or something like that. Okay. Okay. That's crazy. Okay. Okay. Hmm. There seems to be a lot of those. I don't know which direction you need to walk around this tree. How many times? I'm not trying to open it. I don't know. I could not find that. But, however, many who attempt this don't completely walk around it. Because there's so much timber that they end up going under and over the fallen branches. And you're not supposed to do that. It doesn't count. To correctly circle the tree, you must jump over or walk or crawl under any limbs. Walking around it the correct way involves going through heavy brush, stickers, and probably poisonous plants and more. It will take a considerable amount of time. Like, seriously, this tree is... is yeah, I can do without the It's whole bigger than my house. I, yeah, I can it's do It's bigger without than the first floor. Yeah, it's it's really big. Nowadays, the tree stands mostly as an amalgamation amalgamation of the areas. I know what that word is, but I just can't say it. Of the area's culture through the art it bears. Upon seeing it and feeling the brooding energy that inspired the insane masterpiece painted by a thousand hands, one must surely agree its story is far from over. Another creepy story that surrounds this place is a priest of the asylum's chapel who allegedly hanged himself there. Some say that the priest was driven to suicide by dark spirits. Oh, no. Reporters covering... He walked around the tree. <laughs> he he figured it out. Mm -hmm. Reporters covering the stories on the grounds have heard unexplained voices in their tapes. Construction workers have seen figures on the ground, some of them even refusing to return to work. So, I'm about to get to the heart of my story, if you wondered why I was just kind of reading through that quickly. It's fine. I have an actual account of a patient that was there. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. This is Ronnie's story. And it goes like this. And it goes like <laughs> this. Ronnie Larson was a patient at Traverse State Hospital, 1965 through 1971. He was 12 when his parents committed him to the institution. Twelve. What did he do? I'm going to get into it. Okay. I do have a picture of little Ronnie Larson when he was 12. Oh, no. Was he torturing animals? No. He has no. the glasses. <laughs> I know. He does have the glasses. I know. But, no. I'm kind of living for these high water pants, though. <laughs> I mean, he's so cute. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got to so, know what he did. All right. 
I don't know if I'm on his team yet or not. You are. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I, I think so. I, I I am. Okay. Okay. This is all from his actual blog, and I'm just reading it word for word, okay? Got so, it. here we go. It was a cold, snowy day in mid-January 1965. We started out just before daylight. The ride was very quiet and long. At times, we were in complete whiteout due to a strong lake effect storm pounding the west coast of Michigan. The heater was on high, but I was still cold in the back seat. As I was gazing out the window looking to my left, I saw a buffalo. I knew that I was not going to be returning home anytime soon. This was the first day of my distorted memory. This is an excerpt from, um, he also wrote a book, Where the Buffaloes Roam. Okay. Ronnie started out to write a book about his life at the Traverse City Hospital. He was there till he was 18. Okay. Okay. So just in case anybody didn't want to do the math from 1965 to 1971, <laughs> it's 12 to 18. Okay. There's a thread of posts by prior patients and staff at um, KirkBrideBuildings.com. The Traverse City page was filled with posts from Ronnie Larson. He and a few others opened up about their experiences in Hall 18. I have a picture of Hall 18. Okay. Courtesy of Mr. Ronnie Larson. There's a picture of it now and a picture of what it was back then. Okay. Yeah. Is it weird that I like it better now? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it it doesn't, it's not as pretty as the one of, of yours, mm -hmm. but. It still had, they had the same thing. Like there was a the window in every room, the tall ceilings. I like it. Yeah, I do too. It does look a little bit more homey it does. <laughs> back then with the rug going down the hallway. Yeah. And it's not as cold looking, mm -hmm. but you know, I like it. Receiving was the first stop anyone made when being brought to the asylum. I remember being stripped of all of my clothes and the looking and the prodding of my body. I felt very small. All my meager possessions were taken away. I was afraid and confused. There were questions, ink blots, and more questions. I remember the enema being forced upon me. He was held down by attendants and then sat on the toilet for 15 minutes while being observed. I've never figured out why. Were they afraid he was hiding drugs or something? I mean... I don't know. That was 1965. Did they do that then? I don't... And he was 12. 12-year-olds 12 do drugs? I know, but that's just... I don't know. I mean, I'm not... I'm not defending the people. I'm just, like, trying to rationalize it. I don't know. That don't like that it. was my guess, too, to see if they were hiding anything hiding up there. Something? You yeah. know? No contraband. Right. So, I don't know. There's no way to know. Young and old sat quietly in the day room. I was the only child there. I remember doing puzzles, but never fini never finishing them. Some of the pieces were missing. Ah, that's Ma the worst. <laughs> maybe maybe they were eating them. <laughs> that's the worst. What was that movie where some one of the patients kept eating the puzzle pieces? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Outside, he would see children marching two by two. Ronnie asked if he would get to join them. We'll see, was the answer. Once a week, Ronnie would have therapy with Dr. Vasquez. There was a big mirror on one wall. 
One day he saw lights were on inside an adjoining room revealing a movie camera. They were recording Mm -hmm. his sessions. Always knew I was being watched and filmed for what reason I do not know. Finally, after 30 days, Mr. Curtis, which was his favorite, led Ronnie through an underground tunnel and many cage-like locked doors to Hall 18. Um, Many of the asylums back then had underground tunnels to transport patients, Mm -hmm. and this is just one of them. Like, they used them to transport dead bodies, all of that, so none of the other patients would see all that. Yeah. Um, He said the tunnel was always hot, and it... It had steam-heated water pipes running down it and electrical wires. I enjoyed 100,000-plus trips through the tunnel, Ronnie recalled. I have a picture of the main tunnel. Okay. It's kind of creepy looking. Some say it looks like an eye staring back at you. It kind of does. Yeah. So that's that's the main okay. one. It looks wet. It does. I'm, I'm sure it is now. I'm sure it yeah. was back then, too. Okay. A minimum stay for a person brought to the hospital was 30 days. Ronnie was escorted to Hall 18 for an extended stay in the children's ward. Ronnie explained the term dyslexia had not been identified in medical history. Although I was an average adolescent, I was sent to a place where I could not be controlled. Where I could be controlled. Because of dyslexia. Because of dyslexia. Oh my goodness. Mm Mm-hmm. You're out of control if you have dyslexia. Yep. All right. Well, that's good to know. Right. My cell was eight by eight feet across from the office. The walls were cold tile. The steel door had a small hatch left open. The keyed light switch was outside of the room. Lights out at 10 p.m. Ronnie shared that the kids had learned to turn the lights back on by reaching through the slot in the metal door and sliding their metal zipper and pulling it through. Okay. Yeah. So they That's would... clever. Yeah. Sneaky little devils. There were 60 beds in 1968 in uh, Hall 18. Ronnie shared that Hall 18 was filled to capacity, so they brought in more beds and put them wherever they could fit. The drug room was to the right of the office. There were trays with holes to hold the paper cups. They had to open their mouths to show that they had swallowed the pills. In 1967, liquid medication, Thorazine, was mixed into orange juice and dispensed to be sure that each child received their dosage. He said it tasted terrible. Because it's medicine. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's so messed up. Like, whether the kids wanted to take it or not, now they were putting it in their orange juice. So, some were getting double-dosed. How were they getting double-dosed? Well, the kids that actually took their medicine... Oh, okay. I thought you were saying in lieu of. So instead no, no. of taking their pills, no, they, they were did that doing the as juice. well. Okay. Yeah. So some kids were okay. Now dosed. I understand your outrage. Okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. really understand it first because I thought you were saying they switched from one to the other. Mm-mm. Okay. I'm with you now. Yeah. Their strict schedule was adhered to by the staff, and here's how it goes: 7 a.m. wake up and make beds army style. 7:30 a.m. breakfast. 8 o'clock, scrape tray, trays and silverware were counted. 8.30, line up for campus school, 2 by 2. 4 p.m., return from school. 5 o'clock, dinner. Ronnie was yelled at for talking during dinner on his first day. 5.30 to 7.30, 
um, medication and playing outside if it was good weather. They played inside if it was during the winter. Wednesday nights were movie nights, and Friday nights were dances. Okay. Yeah. And dance every Friday night. Okay. I can't imagine how fun that would be, but whatever. 7.30, they lined up for shower. They were stripped four to a stall, and a towel was around the corner, and they had to brush their teeth once a day. Ew. Only once. 8 o'clock was TV time. They got to watch Monsters and Adam's Family. How is that good for your mental health? Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I saw that and I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I mean, I'm all for the the choices there. I mean, that's awesome. But how is that helping a child's mental health? (laughs) Let's let him watch the Addams Family and Monsters. Do better. Let's try that again, guys. 10 p.m. was lights out and no talking. Ronnie recalls hearing mouse traps going off and keeping him awake during the night. Oh, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tuesdays and Friday, the floor needed to be scrubbed, rinsed, and waxed. It took two hours to apply the wax with socks on their feet. Then they buffed them with a Clark buffer. I don't know what that is. Mm-mm. I still can't sell the, stand the smell of paste and wax, Ronnie noted. I'm combining words over here. On Saturdays, Ronnie had time to learn how to play the guitar. He was one of the few residents who was allowed to have musical instruments. He also learned how to play pool. Okay. Yeah. On Sundays, everyone was forced to attend church. Mm -mm. For the rest of the day, they had to play quietly in their rooms because it was a visiting day, but Ronnie didn't have any visitors. Aww. I know. There were three seclusion rooms next to the office. Each one was usually occupied. The punished child had a 7 to 14 day stay alone in the small cell. They were let out four times a day to use the bathroom. Four times a day. Do you know how often I go to the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) You guys. She'd have a potty corner. I would not make it. (laughs) She'd have a potty corner in her room. Oh my god. (laughs) Well, sometimes they did go to the bathroom in there. Mm. Because, I mean, they're little kids. They mm-hmm. Anyways, there was no no furniture in these rooms. In two of the seclusion rooms, one could stand on the door hinges and peer through the window at the top of the door to be able to view the TV. You know, like those little windows that are at the top of... I can't. Yeah. So they would stand on the hinges of the door. But they don't... I'm to stuck on the no furniture thing. They don't have a bed to sleep in? No, nothing. Not in, not in these rooms. Nothing. That's not they okay. slept on the floor. They ate on the floor. They went to bathroom on the floor. Like, it, that was, yes. That's not okay. Mr. Curtis would often take Ronnie on walks around the campus so he could pick up paperwork. They often had to go through Hall 6 where the real crazy people were being kept. These patients would call out and claw at Ronnie. Ronnie remembers Mr. Curtis laughing. (laughs) That's kind of fucked up. (laughs) However, when Ronnie was sick with a fever, Mr. Curtis was at his side as if Ronnie was his own son. Except for the no policy of no hugging the patients, which I get. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. That, That could be hazardous. On their walks, they went through C2 and D2, which were the medical wards. In those days, there was a foot doctor and a surgical space. This was the place where they had done lobotomies as well as shock treatments. 
Oh, yay. The equipment was still there. So, yeah. Um, let's go look at this little surgical room. Okay. S yep. There you go. That's what he got to walk past. <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Lucky him. <laughs> In school, Mr. Martin was kind, too, Ronnie recalled. He treated everyone with respect. There were kids with Down syndrome, epileptics, eating disorders, severe depression, and those who had been abused. There were some with disorders that didn't have names back then, like dyslexia, attention deficit disorder, and transgender. Hmm. There was one boy who was convinced he was a girl and wanted everyone to call him Bev or Beverly, which is cute. I like that name. Mm -hmm. There was one who could change personality from one moment to the next. I know lots of those. Yeah. 12-year-old giants who weighed 300 pounds each who just wanted to fit in. There were a few young patients, too. They were from five to nine years old. Aww. I used to look after one of them, little Davy. I would make his bed and dress him every morning. I made sure he was fed by getting his tray at every meal. These kids had been homeless and never had visitors. They would run around with towels as capes, pretending they were superheroes. I found that Davy is still institutionalized and still thinks he's a superhero. I wonder if he would remember me, the one with the guitar. Aww. I know. Always kept an eye out for Davy, especially from the child predators. Us older kids knew who they were. Their arms were always lunging out for a quick feel. When which, I was, which may be one of the reasons that you're not supposed to hug patients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -mm. Gross. When I was 12 or so, I smashed a few of them in the face for trying to touch me. The attendants would just laugh. That's not okay. Fuck. I always hated Dr. Thill. He never said much, but when he did talk, you were in big trouble. He always looked down when he walked and never smiled. Even when you were being nice to him, he would bite like a bad dog. He is the only staff member I will never forgive. I never felt care cared for. It was like a prison for us, and we felt like we did not belong there. I never wanted to go back. I always had nightmares of going back. One That's lady. So I know. Like, it was built to be such a beautiful place, and... That's not how it turned out. After talking with a fellow resident, Ronnie recalled some good times. He remembered outings to the beach and the sleeping bear sand dunes. I don't know. I don't know. Their group of youngsters were escorted around the cherry festival. He learned how to play pool. He remembering he remembered figuring out chords and strumming on the guitar. He made himself guitar picks from 78 Shellac Records. Okay. Monthly walk. I, I didn't look up what that was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so records? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Monthly walks into town for Batman ice cream made him smile. Drying banana peels on the radiator so they could roll them up and smoke the banana cigarette. Oh, gosh. There were trips to the tunnel to go to movie night and the monthly dances. In the winter, the children often tobogganed on the hills by the farm area. He did break his ankle, but the sledding was fun. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> when Ronnie had broken his ankle, only aspirin was dispensed to relieve his pain. 
Aspirin was the only medication given for any type of discomfort. <laughs> yeah. No. He had two surgeries on his testicles while he was a resident at, at What uh, in the Hall actual? 18. He he had um abnormalities. Okay. I, I don't know exactly what he had. I don't okay. know if he had a hernia. I don't know if he had twisted um that happens a lot mm-hmm. with little boys like their testicles get twisted around and they have to what? go in and fix that. This is something else I have to worry about? Yes, yes it happens. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, it's it's fine. Sometimes it re- it fixes itself. So, how do you even know this stuff? Because you don't even I have a had boy. a stepson. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Things happen to little boys. Oh my god, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> It'll be fine. Oh my god, you can do. He's this. already trying to stick it in stuff. Well, I mean, they're curious. They're like, what, other things what is this about? for? It looks like a stick. What can I put it in? Dude, like, <laughs> my wiener will fit in there, Mama. Keep, stop putting your wiener in stuff. Put, put your wee-wee back in your pants. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he calls it his wiener. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> my wiener will fit in there. Don't put your wiener in that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Ashton, would you stop? <laughs> Give your palm a break. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> bring that back down a little bit <laughs> and talk about some unhappy shit. Testicle surgeries. That's where we left Testicle off. surgeries. The summer of Ronnie's two surgeries, a female nurse started her moves on Ronnie. He was molested. This will make you a man, and you need to learn this, the fat, ugly, hairy nurse told Ronnie. I'm a little offended by that, but, I mean, whatever. (laughs) Ew. Ew. She couldn't be, like, a hot nurse, like, on the movies? No. Poor guy got... She had... Oh, gosh. Okay. This went on for several months behind closed doors. She, um... She yeah, she grabbed his hand and put it places. Oh no! And said, "You need to learn this." Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Many patients had earned a ground parole card where they could wander the paths and trails on campus for a designated ta- <laughs> designated time frame. I'm okay. One place Ronnie liked to go was the hippie tree where he played his guitar. Of course he did. Yeah. Hold on. He has written several songs as part of healing from his time as a forgotten child of Hall 18. Okay. Um, his hippie tree was actually a, like the original hippie tree was not the hippie tree that it is now. Okay. I have um, a picture of where the original hippie tree was. And it was actually like right by the hospital. The new one is in the woods like further back. Okay. So, I, I I don't know. I guess it's what the patients called the hippie tree, and then the other one came about later on. Okay. When Ronnie turned 18 in 1971, he was released from the hospital. He said someone told him he was a snowball rolling downhill heading for hell. <laughs> okay. okay. In 1972, he joined the Army and was stationed at Fort Clayton at the Panama Canal. Cocaine became his drug of choice. It stopped the bad dreams of my life, if only for a little while. 
1980, he stopped using hard drugs and drinking, although he smoked pot and found solace in Pink Floyd music. Of course. I mean, okay. Psychiatrists prescribed Prozac. I mean, that's like the baby one. It's fine. It's fine. The dreams of having to go back to Traverse City um, still continued. Ronnie focused on his love of music and opened a guitar shop in North Carolina. He produced many songs where he played each instrument and layered the recordings. Some of his song titles include Where the Buffalo Roam, Sudden Shock Dreams, HMH, Shame, Catnipping, Ichimi Swamp, Hot Sun, and West Highway. Okay. There's also one of his life story called, called Heart Attack. Okay. On his website, he offered to give a walking lecture with his guitar on the grounds of the Traverse City State Hospital. Regretfully, on Wednesday, August 5th, 2009, Ronnie posted that he hadn't been around because he had a heart attack. He reported that he was tired. His number of entries slowed, but each new post focused on having the hope to have his book published. Ronnie posted, I am at peace with myself and bear no hard feelings toward any of the staff. Heck, I'd even like to hear from you, too. He gave his email address. After two years of posting memories on the Kirkbride site, Kirkbride site, Ronnie made his last post on February 28, 2011. Someone does not like my timeline and is accusing me of lying to you all and stating I was never there. Think what you want. I will end my postings. You can thank Max C. I am locking this thread from further posting. In November 2016, Ronnie was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. He turned over his website, and at the bottom of his webpage, My Story, he wrote, See you in heaven. Love, Ronnie. Sadly, Ronnie Larson passed away on December 23rd, 2016, which happened to be his birthday. Okay. Mm-hmm. My actually, my grandmother actually passed away on her birthday last year. That's crazy. Yeah, at ninety four. Like that's so crazy. Yeah. So I have a picture of late Ronnie. Okay. He looks like if somebody that would hang out at. at the hippie tree, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's definitely a hippie. Yippers. Yeah, he sounds like a cool guy, and I have a clip of his song <laughs> of "Where the Buffalo Roam." <laughs> She played me a little bit of it today. Oh my god! Oh, y'all are about to get it. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's interesting. It's, it's the not are, my uh... <laughs> style. No, no, not. I mean, but you do you, Ronnie Larson. I appreciate it. Or you I'm, did you, Ronnie he did, Larson? He did him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he did him. He did him. <laughs> Words are great. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, I like the real account of what was going yeah, on Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one part, I don't know how this got left out, but when he was talking about the kids buffing the floors with their socks, mm-hmm. uh, one day he was walking down the hall and there were two little boys sitting there and they were soaking their feet in this like purple liquid mm-hmm. and they pulled their foot up because he was like, what are you doing? And like the heel and ball of their feet were rotting. From severe athlete's foot from walking around on the floors barefoot. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ew. Oh, that's awful. Even though they cleaned it all the time. That that was the work therapy for them, is that they had to clean. Oh, my God. I know. 
That's terrible. I just thought it was crazy, like, that this thing started out so pretty, and it was just such a fantastic thing. And then this guy was like, no, nah, bitch. <laughs> Not for realsies. <laughs> this is what had happened was. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. There's my case. Well, that's great. Ta-da. Good job. Thank you. R.I.P. Ronnie Larson. I know. I really like this one, though. Yeah. Both, both of ours. That was good. Ooh, next week. Oh, what's next week? We can't oh, tell them. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you know what it is. Yeah, it just took me a minute. It's fine. Oh, my God. We just talked about this. I know. It's getting late, yo. It is. <laughs> it's it's 9.57. It's, it's getting, getting late, late, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay. <laughs> tell them my age. <laughs> They're going to know I'm not turning 21 now. It's, it's our life. And plus, it's I got to finish watching you. It came out today on Netflix. I know. Fuck you, Amanda. <laughs> Fuck you, Amanda. Because it'll probably be like six months before I get to watch you. I'll watch the first two episodes. Some of us don't it get to really watch. Good. Some of us don't get to watch grown-up television. Yeah, well, I mean, my freedom isn't exactly under great circumstances. It did happen because of a divorce. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So housekeeping, housekeeping, some some housekeeping stuff. Housekeeping. You need help? Go go. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. If you like what we're doing, go rate and review us. Yes. <laughs> you can do that on if iTunes. If you can tolerate this on a weekly basis and want to encourage encourage others to do so. Yeah. iTunes and Spotify. But if you give us a review on iTunes, you get a sticker. Yes. Yeah. Stickers. But sometimes we don't understand your screen name. So if you do it, contact us and let us know. Yes. That would be very much helpful. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to go follow us on all the social stuff. Yes. Share um, us with your friends and family or your mailman. Yeah. And we still have openings. Your hairdresser. Oh, hairdresser. Oh, yeah. Share us with yeah. all the hairdressers people. Hairdressers love to talk. So do Ta- that. Tattoo artists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All your, all your good people. All the people. All the people. Share us with the world. Stranger at the gas station. I don't know. New webs. I don't care. Just yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. So do that. What else? Oh, send us your send spooky stories. Spooky stories. Yeah, we um we have we have some really good ones, but we're actually we just want I, more. I think we're just gonna make this like a, an extended episode, like a, a longer we one. We just than, want than normal. more. So we're gonna like overload y'all with all the good stuff. We're demanding women, and we're never satisfied. Send us more stories. Yeah. So I mean, we're Scorpio. If we're gonna I, tell I the truth, yeah, you. it's it is what it is. <laughs> we are who we are. <laughs> Just deal with we it. We just want all the stories. Yeah. And you know what? If what? you've already sent us a spooky story, but you know your mama has one or your neighbor has one mm-hmm. or your, you it's know. It's not too late. Your brother's baby mama's Annie has one. Yep. Whatever. This, this is the last episode that airs before the deadline. So this mm-hmm. is your reminder. Mm-hmm. If you were like, oh, yeah, I have one. Do it now. And we're not going to be super picky. No. If you can't remember the email address, Facebook us. Yeah, you can send it to us in Messenger. We're totally fine with that. Yes. 
We don't care. We have received other ones in there as well. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah. But if you did forget our email address, it is odditiesandcuriositiespod at gmail.com. You're so good at that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how I keep all this shit straight in my head. Me either. I have no clue what I'm doing anymore. So yeah, do all those. Mm -hmm. We have some shout outs. Shout outs for the people. And you know, we may just need to make us a little recording and just play it at the end. <laughs> that that might be the best thing to do because we forgot twice now. At least. That I can recall. At least. It's been twice. Yeah. So, shout outs to Amanda and no. Steven and Craig Woo-hoo. for art and editing and music. You guys are the bomb.com. The best in the world. We did? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Done. okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, you guys. <laughs>